What's up, everybody? This is Matilda Aguera-Cooper, and you're listening to Finesse Your Wellness, the podcast that explores what it means to thrive and live well. A few years ago, as a run leader, I used to organize race training seasons for anyone who wanted to try long distance, like 10K, a half marathon, maybe even a marathon. And at some point, I would get a question about nutrition, like, what should I be eating when I train? Why am I constantly hungry? And Matilda, can you help a girl out? Because I don't really know what to do. Well, unfortunately, I could only ever help to an extent, but the people that I've come to love and respect who can truly help us all out here are nutritionists. So the unsung heroes in health and wellness who you should consider turning to if you fall into any one of these categories. Number one, you think you might have an allergy or an intolerance. Number two, you have irregular periods. Number three, you struggle with shifting weight or losing weight. Number four, you're constantly hungry and don't know why. Number five, you're trying to have children. Number six, you might suffer from heartburn, acid reflux, or just a funny tummy. Or number seven, life is lifing and you're struggling to eat properly because of the busyness. And I can confess, that is me. I, I am number seven. (laughs) But another reason to see nutritionists is because you really want to be proactive and preventative about your health. And there's no doubt being on top of your nutrition can make all the difference. So today's episode is going to be a bit different. In the first part, I'm going to talk about my food and nutrition journey and how that's led me to finally seeing a nutritionist for the very first time in my life. And the second part will be an interview with Ashley Simpson. She's a registered associate nutritionist and consultant with over 15 years of experience helping those looking to change to a healthier lifestyle. Ashley is also the co-founder and community engagement lead for the Diverse Nutrition Association. That's a community interest company that exists to help both healthcare professionals and people to have dietary information that considers cultural background and ethnicity. But before we get into the chat, here is part one, my journey with food and nutrition. Enjoy. As much as I love doing this podcast, I actually have a day job (laughs) and my role actually gives me the opportunity to stay plugged into everything that's happening in advertising and marketing, the world of brand campaigns, content activation, all of that. So there's an advert that's been doing the rounds this year in award circles. It's from Dove and it's called The Cost of Beauty. It shows the true story of a young girl called Mary who we first see enjoying her birthday. And at some point she gets her first mobile phone. And then sadly, things go left. And as she starts to grow up, we start to see the negative impact that social media has had on her, which leads her to being treated for an eating disorder. Now, it is a very moving ad. And I promise you, you will probably cry when you watch it and every time you watch it like I did. But what really struck me about the ad and perhaps what I found a little bit triggering was just how much life and pressures can really impact the way we eat. So... I can't say I ever had an eating disorder, but as a kid, my mom tells me I was really someone who didn't eat that much. Now in the eighties, or at least in my experience, no one was trying to take me to see a psychologist to determine why that was. I mean, if I was to take a punt, I mean, I might've been going through it. You know, maybe I was depressed after all. My father passed away when I was two, but what I will say is my mom did such a good job of making sure that she made really good meals for us. So even though I didn't really eat and I wouldn't even say I was a picky eater, I just wasn't consuming food. I know that, you know, my mom went all out to make sure that we ate really well. 
I think part of that was inspired by the fact that my mom trained as a nutritionist at some point. So it meant that we were pretty strict when it came to eating at home. There was definitely greens on our plate, meat, veg, carbs. Very rarely did we have sweets, which was interesting because somehow, somewhere down the line, I developed a sweet tooth. I mean, I I had it bad. (laughs) Like anything I could get my hands on, I was consuming it, right? Like, you know, the odd time that my mom bought Kool-Aid or maybe like the occasional sweet cereals. I mean, I was all up in there. I was all up in there. And so later in life, when we eventually moved to the UK, those clean eating habits never really died. But one thing I do remember specifically about school was that I was always looking forward to dessert. Like that was almost a meal for me, having having the sweet treat. And I mean, let's not get into the corner shop and having pocket money. There was definitely a time where I was buying whole packs of Maryland cookies and eating them before I got home. I'd remember, I think there was a a shop in Birmingham called Quick Save and you can literally get like a a mini Victoria sponge cake for like a pound. I would buy it. That was me. And, And I was doing all of this secretly. Now, one thing I would say is interestingly enough, I never, I mean, I must have gained weight. I was never someone who physically looked the way she was eating because I was also really quite active. But I definitely recognized that I had this tendency to really binge on bad stuff. So even though I would eat good meals, really nutritious meals, I was definitely someone who just would go go ham hard as a mother um, for whatever reason. I think I've come to recognize that it was some sort of emotional eating because sweet teeth as they are, are, they're not a thing. That's actually a way we train ourselves um, to kind of eat. It's, it's, you know, people aren't born with, with sweet teeth. They very much learn them. And um, there was definitely a time as well, um, more so kind of like in my uni days where I was actually cooking. So one of the blessed skills I have is I'm, I can throw down. Your girl can cook. And whenever I had the headspace to cook, I would definitely cook properly, like healthy meals. But equally, if I was stressed, it was all about takeouts. Like there was definitely a time in my life where without fail, Nando's was my dinner every single evening. Quarter chicken breast, extra hot, regular spicy rice and fries. Like that was me. (laughs) Um, Yet on the flip side, I would then you know, maybe feel a sense of guilt and then do the really good thing. And I'd have like salad and protein and be, try, try to be really healthy. So yeah, there was, there was definitely a time in my life was balance, where balance was actually a myth. However, things started to take a turn for the better in my early thirties. And around 2015, the UK was hit by this new wave of chefs and they were kind of showing and proving that healthy food could actually be good for you and taste dope. A friend gifted me the cookbook, The Art of Eating Well, by these two sisters called Hemsley and Hemsley, Melissa and Jasmine. And let me tell you, I was obsessed with this cookbook. This book was all about fancy clean eating. And we're talking about shepherd's pies now being topped with cauliflower mash, 
fried chicken, oven baked, made with almonds, gluten free. <laughs> Even chocolate mousse was made out of avocado. And as someone who really enjoys cooking, you know, when time allowed, I was in my element. And in fact, I think I have all four of the cookbooks that they released. At least, at least I have four of them. And so that was, you know, keeping me going for a while. But the catch with that way of eating <laughs> was that it was very whole food centric. It was not cheap. <laughs> and after a while, you know, buying, making bone broth and buying all these really hard to find ingredients just proved to not be very sustainable, especially for my lifestyle. Like if you're someone who, you know, maybe you're a lady of leisure, you've got like one of those snazzy kitchens and you can spend all day making this amazing food, fantastic. When you're someone who's trying to sort out your career and you're on the move and you need to be able to cook quite quickly and efficiently, after a while, it just, it just wasn't making sense. So another friend recommended a cookbook called Go Faster Food by Kate Percy. And this time, this was a cookbook that was all about sustenance. It was all about how to fuel yourself, especially if you were into running, cycling and swimming. Now, this was the book that actually taught me about the benefits of what I call the sort of running foundational foods like sweet potato, oats, quinoa, bananas, those food that really give you the carbs and energy that kind of sustain you if you're doing long distance running. And I think what was quite nice about that cookbook is that it actually started to kind of teach me new ways of eating, ways that I can actually eat that was still, you know, tasty, good foods, but also I could just turn around things quite quickly. So it wasn't the, a thing to kind of make like um, baked sweet potato with like a tuna topping or, you know, kind of do like quinoa with like a protein and some kale. Like I was definitely starting to make these really kind of quick and easy and healthy foods and meals um, that were, were keeping me going. And so I guess nearly 10 years later, I would definitely say I've maintained some of those good habits, but getting your nutrition right is such a journey. Like all it takes is one birthday party, a client dinner, your period, a bad day, and any sort of rhythm that I was getting into was definitely going out the window. And so at the best of times, I was definitely eating well, but there was always a question around, am I actually eating the right amount for the kind of exercise that I'm doing and the level of exercise that I'm doing, not to mention my lifestyle? Because one thing I found was my breakfast would be banging. Like it would be the healthiest breakfast. I'd have like my oats with my blueberry, a little bit of honey, not too much, you know, you know, and like all the seeds and all that good stuff. And then by 11 o'clock, I'm running out to prep to get like a cookie or chai latte. And I would just find myself kind of doing all this like binge snacking between meals. And so even though on the surface, I would say I was a healthy eater, something certainly wasn't right in terms of just the style and the approach that I was taking to eating. So that's when I decided to see a nutritionist and I think I recognized I had done all the other things that I could possibly do when it comes to 
looking after my health and kind of getting into my routine. But the one thing I'd never done was actually speak to someone about the right way I should eat for my lifestyle. And trust me, I kid you not, it has been a game changer. And I finally feel like it's been the missing piece. Like all this time, this is the thing that I really needed to understand to support my wellness journey. And so I think it's really important that we get to know what nutritionists do and actually know the nutritionists that are in our midst, right? There's actually several kind of in the running scene. And at this point, I'm actually going to kick to one of them, which is Ashley. And so, you know, she's going to share a bit more about the work of nutritionists, the work that she does. And then after our chat, I'm going to share what I've learned so far from actually seeing one and why actually having a meeting with a nutritionist could be one of the best decisions you ever make in your life. Enjoy. Welcome to the Financial Wellness Podcast, Ashley. How are you doing, girl? Hello. I'm good, thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, thank you so much for being available. Um, so audience, the reason why I know Ashley is because we've been following each other on the gram for a bit. Um, yeah. I think you plugged in quite early on to some of the fly girl stuff that I was yeah. doing back in Literally, the day. Yeah, I think just as you were like launching, I was like, what's this? <laughs> yeah. And then over time, I knew that you were into running because you ended up joining an amazing run group in London called Mafia Moose. Mm -hmm. um, and then I learned that you were a nutritionist. And I was like, oh, I definitely got to talk to her. <laughs> I definitely got to talk to her because um, throughout all the years I've been doing Fly Girl, nutrition is one of those things that have come up often. And I feel like there's a lot of mystique around it. And mm. just, yeah, I think this is an opportunity for us to really kind of unpack Firstly, the profession and why it's important, because in our pre-chat, you know, I was talking about the fact that we know what doctors do, we know what physios do, and nutritionists are just important. But I think there's just a little bit of education that's needed. This might sound like a super obvious question, but I'm also going to presume that some people may not know this. Mm. What is the actual role of a nutritionist? Oh, so, no, and I don't think that's not a... Uh, a basic question because I think it encompasses a lot of different things. So mm. as a nutritionist, there are so many different roles that you can um, take on, should I say. So um, down to, like I said, my specialism, most people will take on a particular specialism because it's so broad. You imagine you've got the full life cycle down to babies, children, mm. adults, you know, elderly. Then you've got nutrition that might be specific to con particular conditions. So someone might work for a company that, um, you know, they're doing some work around diabetes prevention. So then you might, you know, be working on that. So a lot of it really is about health promotion. Okay. Um, and this is me speaking very broadly. Like I said, there's so many different things you could do, but really broadly, it might be around health promotion um, and really being able to provide scientifically evidence, scientific and evidence-based information. Mm. So I guess one of my misconceptions of nutritionists were that they gave you diet plans. Is that right? Is that wrong? Well, <laughs> it's not, it's not incorrect. And mm -hmm. like I said, if that is the 
um, the route that that nutritionist is taking. So some people, again, like I know there's um, what's really big at the moment is working in like health tech. So there's people who work like digital health coaches as nutritionists. So that might include some companies might help with a plan, um, but it's really about creating and giving advice around changing a lifestyle than a set. Mm. So there probably are some people out there, but a majority will probably try to support that person to help them with changing their lifestyle as opposed to a strict regime. Um, mm-hmm. So the idea is, you know, we don't want to just put someone on a diet and we know, you know, I guess the, um, the negative side to being put on a strict diet and how quickly, you know, that person may come off of it. Whereas if you can support someone to change their mindset and um, look at changing their lifestyle, that may include some things that you want to incorporate into their diet, but not so much a plan. So it's kind of, Generally, I would say majority wouldn't, but mm-hmm. I know there's some people that may find that they actually want to support that person with being able to put something a bit more structured in place. Um, so it's not a complete misconception. What I think is quite interesting about what you do is that you look at ways that our culture, Black people's culture, isn't a barrier to good nutrition. Could you maybe share a little bit more about the work that you do in that area? Yeah, so um, I am one third of um, a Diverse Nutrition Association. So I am one of the co-founders and community engagement lead. And essentially we are a group of three nutritionists. Um, and it was actually started during lockdown um, where we just literally were just like, we need to just do more for essentially our community. And so uh, not too long ago, we created the African and Caribbean Eat World Guide. So in public health you will find if you type in the nhs and some people have heard of it some people haven't you've got this eat well guide essentially wow. it used to be called um the eat well plate is what it used to be called and essentially it's kind of like a, a plate looks like a plate should we say that kind mm-hmm. of helps people to look at um kind of different types of fruits and veg and almost in the priority of how much they should consume of that. So you will see the fruit and veg section is quite large. You've got your, you know, starchy carbohydrates, your, um, your meats, fish and your proteins and your dairy or dairy alternatives. And for us, it was a case of, you know, well, that is so broad, but actually Mm. how can we encompass some part of our culture within that to make it more applicable to people from African and Caribbean um, background? And so, yeah, so we put that together, um, which is free to download off of our website as well. I'll add that on there, um, diversitutionassociation.com. And yeah, since that launch, that was now, gosh, I think around about October 20, yeah, 2021. Oh my gosh. Yeah, sorry. I hope I haven't said the date wrong. But yeah, so yeah, if people want to download it, I think it's just, it's really helpful for people to consider if they are from that background you know where do my food actually fit in and Mm -hmm. we're all about just really encouraging people to not exclude things from their diet because they don't see it in the mainstream so we were just finding and speaking to people that were like well actually you know when I speak to my doctor about you know changing my diet for example um you know my doctor's telling me to eat things 
particular greens like I don't know let's say kale was the big mm. one you know there's always these fad and popular foods that come out and people are like okay I need to be eating kale because it's really good for me and mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's not but then what then happens is then they exclude things that they maybe were already eating from their culture mm-hmm. or they're mm-hmm. culturally familiar with and actually we have a lot of foods that are really helpful within all of our cultures but it may just be down to the portion size or the um the way that that particular food is is cooked for example and so we're really just about working with healthcare professionals and the general public around you know look at the things that you currently have in your culture let's empower people to be like actually I know there's some really good things that are from my culture that are really healthy and just how do I consume those maybe in a different way or just mm-hmm. celebrate and enjoy those foods as well. Yeah, I mean, plantain comes to mind because I don't know if you remember in the pandemic, someone on, I think, Instagram kind of <laughs> talked about <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> whether or not we should be eating it in the culture was an uproar. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. I do remember yeah. that. <laughs> and it's funny because, you, yeah, like it's hard to kind of know where we can find our sort of line when it comes to mm. our food. Cause it's either you go completely in one direction and you're just eating salads and kale, or yeah. it's like, you know what, I'm just going to live my best life and it is what it is. Yeah. And so yeah, I definitely can see why the work that you guys are doing is so important. One thing that's kind of top of mind when I think about nutrition is mm. the way we need to consider it when we are pursuing a fitness lifestyle. Because mm. I know for me, when I started running yeah. and getting really serious about running, like, okay, I'm now doing long distances. I'm doing, you know, a few races a year. I, I'm hungry all the time. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm not necessarily going to pick the healthiest thing. I'm just, I'm just hungry. So whatever's yeah. around, I'm going to eat it. And then I'm also convincing myself that it's cool because I'll just burn it off. It don't matter. Yeah. Um, and then as I was getting older, I was like, wait a minute now, this is not burning off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm running proper marathons. I'm training for marathons and I'm like, oh, so this is just sticking. Okay. Yeah. I need to re <laughs> reassess <laughs> my diet overall. I mean, what have you sort of found even on your own running journey when it comes to needing to adapt your diet and how that fits with running. So that's also really interesting for me because like where we spoke about nutrition before, I said that it's such a broad area. And so disclaimer, I'm not a sports nutritionist, um, as Mm. I mentioned, but I did definitely have to go and do some research around fueling my body, you know, before and after a workout or even running. Um, so I'm, I totally get it. I remember doing, I'm going to say my first half marathon because hopefully we're going to get back and do some more. Um, but yeah, definitely even that, I remember doing those distances and being like, as you were saying it, it like took me back. Like I was hungry. I was hungry (laughs) all the time. So I guess just thinking about, um, I think with any sports it's really being mindful of, of how you yeah, how you feel your body is so important. Um, Mm -hmm. and not just that I'm going to burn these calories, actually what am I putting into my body? Mm -hmm. Um, how does it make me feel as well? Um, 
and just and also not seen it as a punishment I think sometimes you have to think mm. about the other side where people think well if I eat this whole pizza it's okay tomorrow I'll just you know go on the treadmill and do a little bit extra or I'm gonna run a little bit longer to burn it off definitely don't see it as that see it as what does my body need um and if it's a case of what well, actually I just fancy that pizza tonight then that's okay as well so Finding balance in training and running, I think, is really important. Even just that simple point of what does your body need? It's a question we probably don't ask ourselves enough. Mm. And then we probably don't know where to go to get that information. I think that is probably Mm. the blocker. And so what should people do? Like, let's say someone is suddenly getting into running, you know, we're seeing all over the gram. People are suddenly discovering this and absolutely loving it. Mm. Is it as formal as going to my GP? Is it about picking up a copy of Women's Health? Like, what are those, (laughs) you know, is it about, oh, let me just hit up Ashley. Um, Or Ashley might know a sports nutritionist. Like, how can we be a lot more intentional about knowing how to fuel ourselves and and knowing how to factor nutrition into our lives more. Yeah. I think definitely starting with, I'll go back to that. I think seeing a nutritionist is important um, in terms of getting that kind of factual science, you know, scientifically evidence-based information. Um, So whether that's, you know, I said, I'm not a sports nutritionist, but I probably could support and provide some basic information around fueling your body, but actually also know, some you know people that would be more tailored towards that so even if it's just sending me a message and asking me that's not a problem you know I'd, I'd rather people asked than kind of you know doing things Astute. wrong in that sense yeah, yeah. trying to work it out um so that would that would be a key thing um and then, I mean, if it's sometimes it's as simple as just recipes as well. There are, mm. I won't be wrong, there are a couple of good articles and stuff you will find out there where it's like, you know, good recipes for or meals or something like that, like post-run fuel. And then kind of what does that look like? You know, sometimes that's kind of really high in protein or some starchy carbohydrates. And actually, I just need some ideas. And in the world mm. of looking now, we've like I said, social media, you can find so many things online if it's just a simple case of recipes. Because I think that's also the other thing when it comes to nutrition is sometimes people know what they need to do. It's just doing mm-hmm. it or yeah. it's the planning for it. So it might mean just meal planning or looking online just to find some recipes. Like I think as simple as that, it might not also be, um, you know, speaking to that professional. It may just be, I need some new recipe ideas um, for my post run or before my run, like what's really good to have. Um, so that, that's a key, a key way to start to, um, but yeah, but a nutritionist, if people, you know, have questions and stuff, um, we're happy to direct people in the right way too. No, that's super helpful. And I think, um, it's interesting because whenever people have asked me, you know, what should I eat? Food is so subjective, (laughs) you know, know, and even though in the wider industry or say running scene, Mm. there's like these core things you eat, you know? So it's like oatmeal and bagels (laughs) and bananas. And I think there's almost like a gap in the market for like, the cultural nuances mm, to sort of run fuel because, you know, I'll be like, oh, because I like porridge and I know people are like, well, I don't. I'm like, Psh, I, that's all I know when it comes yeah. to like 
running and fueling that is literally all I know, um, or at least that's all I've learned. So I definitely think there's probably, to your point, just the need to kind of get educated. Mm. No, no. I, you know what? Even as you're saying that, even I kind of work in that space, even thinking, like you said, about the cultural aspect, because like you said, there's always so things that are so specific. So like the banana, the porridge. Mm-hmm. And then I guess if that comes up really frequently and maybe some articles or really good places that people are looking at, that's what they think they can only have. Um, yes. So, I mean, they, that is, look, I'm not saying porridge is not great, by the way, guys, but. <laughs> I, I like it. Definitely, you can yeah, pimp it too. Like, you yeah. know, it doesn't have to be dead. Literally, you can do so much porridge. Porridge is a, it's just so, porridge is so great. Like a great source of fiber. Just, yeah, it's, it, it is, it is a great um, food, but I know again, like you said, it's not for everyone. Um, but yeah, just, I think when it comes to running, it's just, it's so interesting I think even with just exercise in general of just people thinking about their diet, um, because also in a way, especially if you're training for something, mm-hmm. you're more conscious of your diet. Like yes. I don't know about you, but I know I definitely thought about my diet more so when I was training for the half marathon compared to when I was just maybe like just going for my normal runs. I was more conscious of like, okay, actually, how do I eat in a particular way for my performance of being able to actually run for two hours? like. What's our body going to need? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't know if that was the same for you, but yeah. That was the so what, I mean, the thing is when I first started running, I was all over the things. And then maybe, I think it was a pandemic thing because we were all locked up. The minute we could go outside and we were free again, <laughs> I signed up for all the things. And I definitely had selective amnesia because of the pandemic. So I would go out on a long run say eight, nine miles, suddenly it's like, why is this so hard? It's like, girl, you forgot. (laughs) You forgot. You actually need to fuel Mm. once you start exceeding that 10K mark. I mean, you have to fuel generally, but I think what happens is you get that rude awakening (laughs) (laughs) and the body's like, girl, don't you recall? (laughs) You need to do this, that, and the other. And I don't even necessarily mean carb loading, but it could just be like, have you been hydrating this week? You know, what did you eat last night? Just those little things. So Mm. for sure, I think where I've been less intentional about running and just still thinking I'm bionic woman, um, (laughs) my body's telling me about my life, but equally when I've say planned something like, you know, next year I want to do a marathon. Oh, you best believe we're going to (laughs) have the meal plan on lock. We're going to have, you know, I'm going to get the nutrition advice because I actually really want to see what happens when I do things properly as it were, quote yeah. unquote. No, I get you. Yeah, no, that, and that makes complete sense. And that's, yeah, that's a good, you know, place to be in as well, to be able to say, to get that that support and that advice, because I think it's really important as well. Um, coincidentally, my mom was a nutritionist for a brief spell back when I was okay. in Texas. Oh, wow. So there was definitely certain rules in the household as far yes. as how we eat um, and how we manage our diets. But that information isn't broadly out there. So if somebody is quite, you know, confused or intrigued about food, what should be their starting point? First thing I would say is go and actually speak to a professional. 
speak to mm-hmm. a nutritionist, have that conversation. And again, I get that that is a, you know, a massive privilege to be able to do because that's paying a fee and speaking to someone. So if you have that ability to do so, then I always suggest just go straight to the expert because the other th- factor is going on, you know, Google and it's Dr. Google. And then you start going down a whole, <laughs> you go down a whole path of just getting lost and loads of different stuff. So just be mindful. If you do, you know, want to do a quick internet browse, just be mindful of the places and where you're looking at things. Mm-hmm. Nice. Certified from a nutritionist. I appreciate that. <laughs> I feel legit. <laughs> Um, so final question, just to kind of get a little bit more insight about you, how do you finesse your wellness? Oh, for me, um, I feel like it's a few things, but I think key thing for me is the rest and kind of self-care part. Um, because although, you know, it's running is something I enjoy, going to the gym is something I enjoy, actually. I know that in order to, you know, just be the best me and be able to even have the energy to go to the gym, I need to be resting in between that. Um, Mm -hmm. I need to be getting some good sleep or um, I think I said this to you before, but like even being able to put in some days where I can, you know, go to, I don't know, go for a spa day. I mean, that's not often, it's definitely not, but that would be my ideal being able to, yeah, wellness is having that rest. Rest is the key thing for me. Mm, same. Well, at least I'm trying to make it the yeah. key thing for me. Like sleep hygiene has been like yeah. my question to everybody. Like, how are you sleeping? Is your phone in your room? Is your room yeah. dark? Like these little things, because I think more so than ever before, I'm, I'm certainly starting to appreciate it. No, 100%. And to be fair, that when I say rest, it encompasses things like sleep you know, your Mm -hmm. body being able to rest, not just kind of like, okay, this morning I'm not getting up and I'm going to lie, but it encompasses, you know, when my body is able to rest and repair. So that's sleep, you know, all of those kind of aspects too. Nice. And how can people connect with you? How can they get some of your wisdom and insight? So I think the key thing at the moment, so definitely follow me on Instagram. So it's at um, Ashley Simpson underscore. Um, and then there is where I'm going to be, you know, people can be kept up to date with kind of website and things coming out soon. Um, but yeah, so following me for um, being able to contact me on Instagram is absolutely fine. Um, and also Diverse Nutrition Association um, dot com but also through our Instagram, which is Diverse Nutrition Association too. And also just a shout out, if anyone is looking for a running group or looking to get into running, um, their Mafia Moves is great. Um, They run on a Tuesday evening and a Saturday morning. Um, Then definitely, yeah, there's an amazing coach, Andre, who started it. So um, it's all about just, yeah, running together and not leaving anyone behind. So those are places I say to find me on Mafia Moves I'm not <laughs> well you are I'm in the photos I do see yeah. the photos <laughs> yeah so but just in terms of uh, just yeah I really just wanted to make people aware of just yeah Mafia Moves and joining that if they're looking for a and it's a brilliant group. run group it is a brilliant run group I've been yeah. down on, on a Tuesday absolutely loved it and we love Andre too yeah 
Oh, well, thank you so much for your time, for your insights, for your wisdom. Um, And hopefully everybody listens to this. Yeah, (laughs) beyond. Because again, you know, we hear these things, these phrases, but it's assumed that people get it and understand it. And I think, you know, Mm -hmm. you impact it in such a helpful way. So thank you. Thank you for having me. Isn't it interesting that in life, we will make sure that we go to the dentist, we'll get our eye tests, smear tests, have physio if we need it. But seeing a nutritionist is something that hasn't quite made it into our schedules yet, but it should. So now that I've seen one personally and I've talked to one, here are my top three takeaways. Number one, nutritionists are really about making sure that you're eating properly for your lifestyle and your goals. They're not necessarily going to put you on a strict diet unless that's what's needed. Number two, if you see a nutritionist, you'll need to be prepared to be committed. When I went to see one, I was required to keep a three-day diary of everything that I ate while also keeping her posted on my other habits like how often I worked out, any issues with my sleep, my water intake, and just how my life was going in general. She was also interested in the goals that I've been trying to achieve. So, you know, I give her that download and she came back to me a few days later with a nutrition plan. And this outlined my daily calorie intake as well as my macro, aka macronutrients. And for those that don't know, this is sort of like the nutrients that you kind of need, that balance of carbs, fat and protein that you should be aiming for every day. As a runner, I need carbs, but I also need a lot of protein to build muscle. And before my consultation, it was really evident I was not eating enough. Now, one of the telltale signs of not having enough protein was being hungry all of the time and not feeling satisfied after meals. And, and, you know, I was a cereal snacker, as I mentioned. Anyway, once I had the plan, it was evident that I'd have to meal plan religiously and keep a really tight rein on tracking my meals. So I now use this app called Chronometer, which is a bit more detailed than my fitness plan and it is very user-friendly and it actually doesn't feel like a chore to track. It's a beautiful app. So finally, takeaway number three. A balanced lifestyle is actually more than just what you eat. And to make the most of my plan, I really need to be a lot more disciplined about my sleep and my water intake because both of those things are really important to building a healthy lifestyle. So seeing a nutritionist isn't a magic bullet to wellness, but it can help you learn healthier habits and behaviors, and it can give you the accountability you need to get on the right track. So I hope you enjoyed this episode of Finesse Your Wellness, brought to you by Fly Girl Collective, a space for Black women and women of color who want to level up their wellness and lifestyle. You can follow Fly Girl Collective on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, or sign up to our mailing list at flygirlcollective.co for lovely tips, goodies, and invites delivered straight to your inbox. Also, if you love what you heard, please, please, please rate and review us on iTunes. Thanks again for listening. Catch you on the next episode.